And welcome to the VSEC Capital Tech and Transitional Energy Podcast. It's 30th September, Thursday. Uh, it's the end of the third quarter, so there's lots of results and things coming out today. Uh, and actually, everybody's very, very busy running around the city trying to get deals done. I'm told there's about 50 deals going on at the moment. And actually, we're rather busy. We've got a lot of deals as well. So this may be a quick one, Phil, but knowing us, we also end up nattering on about things. So uh, who knows? <laughs> We will indeed, Andrew, and yes, it's a busy time for all. Okay, look, I'll tell you what, I'm going to hit the nail on the head to start with, because I know, obviously, my phone has been ringing like mad. Infinity Energy Systems is, is you know, one that we talk about in every podcast. Uh, the stock price is having a very horrendous time. It had interims uh, this week, um, and people seem to have, to a certain extent, got their knickers in a twist, um, which is rather disappointing. Um Clearly, there's a limit to what we can say. We can only talk about what's in the public domain. Um, but, I mean, you know, the interims, yeah, okay, there's some delays going on, but I think the whole world knows that there is a supply chain issue and that uh, there are lockdowns in places like Australia that are slowing things down. Everybody knows that there is inflation that's causing costs uh, to increase. Uh, I mean, I, I, what, what's your take on this, Phil? Well, Infinity Energy Systems, the tickets are yes, and they are they're a corporate client of ours. Um, I, I think that the, the first thing is that they are actually, you know, that they're, they're, they're manufacturing, they've developed and manufacturing an advanced battery technology, um, and because the product is uh, manufactured and have not, you know, just developed SaaS software that you can download, then obviously that you know they they require components, it requires manufacturing resource boots on the ground, things need to be shipped around the world. And wherever you look, you know, costs for semiconductors and the availability of semiconductors has been, uh, the costs have gone up, the lead times have gone out on semiconductors, container shipping prices have gone up. I mean, all of this, the whole supply, global supply chain is in turmoil at the moment. And that's as we come out of, you know, the world being shut down um and, and everywhere you look everyone's trying to to get a hold of of, of resource mm -hmm. so um will that situation you know last longer term unlikely because you know these things have a, a way and a habit of 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 turning around but near term what they've done is and it is amazing really i mean they've come out of a development phase with advanced tech and they've been commercializing it and trying to ramp manufacture and, and unfortunately it's just in the worst time um possible Look, also i mean they 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 need to put some news out don't they let's be honest you know they yeah. haven't had any news of, of things and we think the energy super hub actually has already started on the first cluster um so we could expect news on that literally any day um from what i hear that basically it is already being run not by infinity engineers but by uh, you know engineers from the project itself uh, you know, just announcing that clearly would have a very positive impact, or should do anyway. Yeah. Um, they're, they're quite strict about what they want to say in terms of orders, but maybe now is the time where they give us a little bit more colour on what orders are about to come up, because we do believe there's a lot of orders to come in the next few months. Anyway, yeah. we're not hiding behind a bush trying to pretend it's not happening. We're, we're you know, we are recognising the fact this isn't very comfortable for shareholders. Yeah. Um, but whilst I'm on that, you know, today uh, we've seen the UK government talking about possibly taxing electricity, sorry, taxing gas, get it right. <laughs> yeah, so okay. people switching their homes to electricity to help, you know, the whole renewable energy situation and transitional energy. I mean, it's easier said than done. I don't know about you, but I've got a bloody great boiler in my house and I can't just turn it over to electricity. But there you go. 
Um, but, you know, it is more demonstration of the, the whole government and the world trying to go down this renewable energy route. Um, but at the same time, of course, we see had announced results or an announcement from SSE this week yeah. where they said that, you know, wind was a third below what they had expected. Um, well, you know, that's why you need energy storage, because when the, you store the energy when the wind's blowing and then you can use it when the wind's not blowing. Um, you know, there are so many big macro factors pointing towards energy storage, energy storage. I just... I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something, Phil. I could get quite wound up on this. <laughs> no, I look, look. I understand your point. I mean, the you know, if you look to the states, um, and they tend to be a global leader in technology. And and I was looking, you know, I mean, they they was was it EFS flow battery storage raised a couple hundred million dollars at a you know a, a, a nearly a billion dollar valuation, and it's just that valuation of core bits of kit in the transition. Uh, and batteries are core bits of kit. And right now, there's one main uh, tech solution, it's lithium ion. But there are clearly alternative solutions out there that perform better, more reliable, and, and lower fire risk. Anyway, there we go. Yeah, and you know what? I, I don't know if you saw in the last Sunday's newspapers, we had this, this project right on the front page of the business section suggesting that the way to solve our energy crisis is to run a cable all the way from Morocco because they had plenty of wind and sun. I mean, surely, guys, we can do better than laying a cable all the way from Morocco. Just put some good Infinity batteries storage in place. Um, a lot easier. Well, I admit that Morocco is a very nice place to go and start the cable, but, you know, you don't really need to lay it all up the coast of Portugal, across the Bay of Biscay, over the Isle of Wight. It's just madness. We live, look, we live in a world of great, great change and lots of technologies being, you know, the technologies being developed, but uh, such, an, such an active sector. Um, well, it's going to get more active during October yeah. because, of course, we've got COP26 coming up and everybody's going to be sort of, you know, talking about what they're doing for COP26. It's going to become big news. I'll tell you what, I mean, not that I'm trying to go through the results section particularly, but whilst we're on this whole thing, I don't know if you saw Fulcrum um had a, an announcement also i think it was yesterday i forget the day so damn busy um but they were actually pretty good um although they were particularly bullish about again sort of high voltage transmission for the transitional energy and ev charging yes yeah did you, did you spot that one i'm yes. sure you did you spot everything phil thank you very much andrew yes we them. <laughs> But again, that's that's I mean, Fulcrum was, if you remember, when we were talking about six months ago, sort of picks and shovels stocks, uh, Fulcrum was one of the ones that we said um, fitted into that category. But actually, we preferred in general Nexus as a sort of similar type company. We thought it was in a stronger position, but it's all part of that picks and shovels concept, isn't it? Yes, it is. And about the change in the infrastructure. Uh, that that's going to be required for you know for a big transition, particularly in the tra in the transport area, and you know for automotive automotive charging. And uh, very interesting to see news this week because of the the petrol shortages on tanker deliveries. Um, lots of apparently loads of inquiries on electric vehicles now. Oh my word! <laughs> well, petrol drivers have got range anxiety now, haven't they? Well, um, yeah. It is ludicrous. You know, my wife was going to go to Cornwall today and she said, I'm not going to Cornwall today, even though I had got her a full tank of petrol, by the way. I went and got her a full tank of petrol because um, I actually drove to Heston service stations on the M4 and it was quite easy to get petrol at the weekend. Anyway, there you go. But she's not going to Cornwall, which is why she might not get back. 
<laughs> oh dear. Might not be good. Right. Um, anyway, um, this isn't about petrol, this is about uh, tech and trends. Uh, actually, Ceres had some numbers today, which I thought looked pretty good, actually. I mean, the market is Martin Dan slightly. I again, don't quite understand that, but I don't always understand everything the market does. But um, to me, that, I mean, look, it, obviously, it's a fairly highly rated stock anyway, and it's been a good performer. But actually, uh, those interims to me look pretty good, and they're doing everything they said they do on the tin, so to speak. Um, and, you know, it's well capitalized, great shareholder base. I don't know. Did you have any thoughts on that one, Phil? They're doing well. Service powers, obviously, fuel cell technology, um, and targeting you know transport sectors. One of their one of their main areas they're targeting, but also but also heating systems. Um, you, you're right. Look, they they are they are delivering. They're, they're doing what they said they would do. It's been a long time coming. Um, fuel cell development, uh, years and years, uh, but it now is uh, coming to the fore as a key transitional energy technology, and, and they're getting the valuation recognition for it. They are, as I say, the market was marked down a little bit today. Slightly surprising. There you go, Celavi. Yep. Um, that's. I mean, fuel cells is. Um, it's, we, you know, we we had a company in this morning, didn't we? A private company looking at, you know, fuel cells and this sort of thing. I mean, it, there's a lot of technology out there around the world. This is not a new technology, but I have to say, Sarah's a thing. I've got it right. Anyway. Um, I'll tell you what, actually, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't, let's, let's move on a little bit, because, and again, we need to rattle through a little bit. I'll tell you what has been, what was very interesting yesterday um, was uh, with a fairly recent IPO, AlphaWave, because, slightly confusing, AlphaVille, which is a sort of chat uh, room with of the FT, but pretty smart cookies, came out and basically did a complete hatchet job on them, uh, and the stock price sort of fell 50% in a day fairly unusual for the ft to do things like that but it was also quite a well it was a highly critical piece and i mean clearly a major move in the market i mean basically they said look alpha villa well they, they came out with all sorts of acquisitions actually didn't they phil they yes they did indeed they'd uh, you know undertaken quite a thorough analysis and as you say it's, it's unusual to see the ft do that um but all analysis is you know is, is well it keeps investors in, informed um, yeah, in a different way, and it makes a market. I mean, it it makes you just worry a little bit about, you know, we're seeing a lot of these tech companies now come to the London market. Um, you know, hopefully, we, you know, I'm all in favour, and hopefully we get them right. But there have been quite a lot of questions, haven't there, at, at IPO times, and we've debated it ourselves, and what the right valuations are for some of these companies. And they're quite difficult to value, and when you make a single stock um investment you do run those sort of risks don't you you yeah you do very much so and especially if you're trying to value things on sometimes on you know fundamentals as well and and it's appreciating who else that might be valued too i mean i you've seen this week the blue prism um has been sold to vista equity partners uh, for 1.1 billion um mm. blue prism i'm just trying from memory uh on its last uh, results was turnover of something like 150 million, but 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 you know loss making, and it been investing a lot in its uh, its sales. But the value clearly for Blue Prism is being seen in its in its uh, robotic process automation software, and the you know the market future market potential. But the 
Oh yeah, there's a definite challenge in valuing these things, but just just on IPOs, Blue Prism IPO'd in March 2016, raised 20 million pounds at a valuation of 48.5 million. Well, yeah, um, there's always been quite a lot of discussion on Blue Prism, hasn't there? It's just uh, um, exactly what it should be valued at. Um, but as you say, now the private equity's come in. We know that the answer it was quite a volatile stock, wasn't it? I mean, it went shooting up, yeah, yeah, uh, it was. and then came shooting back down again, and then went shooting up, and you know, um, but yeah, I mean, that's definitely good for the sector, yeah, it, it does. It shows what can be done, um, in terms of using the, the equity markets. So I also saw, do you see the IPO, um, IP group announcements on the, and we've discussed this one before, the Oxford Nanopore. Uh, IP uh, was priced at uh, uh, IPO was priced at 3.4 billion. Um, that, that's I, that's uh, actually just that's after that's after the IPO, so they're raising about 350. So actually, it's priced at about 3 billion. Uh, yeah. So, but look, I think it's a, it's it's still pretty good, and I actually think Oxford Nanopore is a pretty good situation because it's so unique. I think the Americans will love it. Look, the markets like the announcement of the price. It's up up six five percent today, up six p one forty two p. As you know, we're a great fan here of these sort of collectives, be it IP Group, Draper Esprit, Frontier IP, which is one of our corporates, and, and we've sort of briefly mentioned that we're trying to look at another one for very early stage tech um, using the British Bank Bank Business Bank. Um, as a partner as well, because that gives you extra leverage, and we're looking at a vehicle in that. Um, yeah. Because I think again, with with technology, it's uh, unless you're really really switched on, it, you know, a collective is not a bad way of investing. To be honest, for most investors. Yeah, that, that's that's absolutely right. It's all about spreading risk, and and earlier stage technology ventures can be, uh, you know, can be very very risky. But um, but my word, what can be done? Um, from from early beginnings, I only saw Frontier IP Group. Uh, one of their they're an IP commercialization company. Um, they uh, undertake commercialization work for university spinouts, early stage tech companies, and and for that they get an equity stake. Uh, ticker is FIPP. It's kind of ours, sixty million market cap. But they announced um, not they didn't announce um, Excientia which is uh, one of the company in their uh, portfolio. They've got a 2% stake in Excientia, but Excientia has been up at Dundee University, and this is AI for drug discovery. We've discussed this one before, really exciting business, backed by major farmers. Um, uh, SoftBank, BlackRock are investors in Excientia, but it's filed for IPO uh, to raise $275 million. But looking at the price of the, uh, of the of the IPO issue, would I think calculate the value uh, my uh, Frontier IP's stake at 23 million to 25 million pounds. Um, and this is a 60 million pound market cap company. So it shows that the Frontier IP group model, well, the IPO has not happened yet, but, uh, you know, potentially can be quite powerful. Uh, yeah, and look, the stock's been performing beautifully, hasn't it? Um, and we've, oh, been, we've been pushing it all year, should we say, but so we do act for them. So one should always be aware of that. Actually, one that we, we used to act for, but... Um, uh, we we have moved on, should we say? But we always thought they had really interesting technology. Uh, we just struggled slightly with um, the funding. But uh, Eternity Networks this week came out with a fundraising. Actually, have raised about five million pounds. So I mean, well done to them actually, because that hopefully will give them the runway 
um, because they actually did have a good product, didn't they? I mean, do you want to just remind us, Phil, of, of what they did? Because it was all to do with network cards and things and, and 5G. Yeah, it's of um, course SmartNIC technology. So this is they they have software that's um, used in uh, data centers, in particular, and within the 5G networks to manage the traffic flows uh, across the networks and to manage them highly efficiently. And and the the, the traffic data traffic going through data centers, you know, all those videos that you're processing on your smartphones and you're looking up whatever, but all that's flowing through data centers now as as the you know the uh, the network tech. Uh, the form, you know, it used to be part of the networks is now in, in data centers, and and their their technology, which sits on semiconductors, controls that, manages it. Um, so yeah, it's a real interesting one. Yeah, no, look, I mean, well done them getting the money. So I mean, one of the things about this, you know, the stock, it was, I think it was floated at about 160p, shot up to 200p, came down to about 10p, and has got up to back to 50. It's now done this deal at 35p. So it's a fairly volatile stock. Um, not being the easiest, but this could be their, their turning point. Who knows? Um, I'll tell you, actually, this is more of an anecdotal evidence sort of thing. I'm not quite sure, but I'm going to go down this tack anyway. But stock we often talk about is Samacan because it's one of our, our favourite um, sort of e-commerce uh, brand stocks. But it was an interesting thing happened this week. We was I was sort of sitting there watching it, um, and it was the tick was at around 136 p or something, and then a trade went through, quite a big one actually, at 180 p. Uh, and the market maker, um, the market makers went to 150, 170, even though there was clearly a buy at 180. Actually, they rang me and said, can you find us any stock? I actually did ring around everybody. Couldn't find any stock at all. Um, so there's clearly a bit of a shortage of stock in the market. Um, but obviously on Acquis, it's on the apex segment. So they're supposed to give a, a maximum of 5% spread. So I think they've been given a little bit of a, a word from Acquis and said, oh, you've got to get your act together. Uh, so they're now trading at 170 to 180. Um, which is about a 5% spread. I'll, I'll give them that. Um, uh, um, so it's been a nice move up for Samarkand. Um, but interesting also on the whole spread thing and how markets work. And, you know, I often hear on, on the, the blogs or private investors talking to me complain that, you know, the market makers are manipulating markets and things. Actually, they're not. They're just trying to, they're actually trying their hardest to keep a, a level book, if you sort of, and keep a correct book. But it's obviously been very difficult on this one. Um, and one of the problems is that nobody wants to sell the stock. Um, and I also noticed that um, Hargreaves Lansdowne had this, some sort of poll to say, would, would should we be trading Acquis stocks? So I actually did hit the poll and emailed them and said, yes, you should be. Because actually, of course, VSA Capital is on Acquis as well, as well as Samarkand and some of our other clients. Um, and they've come back and said, well, we do trade some stocks, but we're just we're thinking about trading them all. Well, hopefully they do trade them all soon um, because it's it's a good growth market and it's only correct that um, private investors should be able to ac- access all stocks that are being traded in London. Oh, that was a bit of a rant. <laughs> well, it, well, it was, but it was quite. It, well, I'll explain some key points there about market maker, you know, about spreads on stocks, about stock availability, sometimes about the issue of a company, Samarkand Group, is uh, SMK's ticker is a, is a client of ours, but it has been, been a very successful IPO and and the share price has risen. And, and you do get this issue where holders don't want to sell the stock, which makes it tough to get to get availability. But but you're right about them trading them all, trading all the aqua stocks. I mean, it's you know it's right. I mean, I'm a Hargreaves lands down. You know, I've got a sip holder. So have the broader choice we have as investors, the better. 
I mean, the other one is I think most a lot of people know is that uh, a lot of these retail platforms don't like uh, letting their investors do IPOs unless they pay a lot of money. You know, they're in business, too, so you can't blame them completely. But, you know, the days when, you know, you could just apply for an IPO or ring out your broker and say apply for it and do it for free have gone. You now have to pay a huge fee to get your broker to apply for an IPO. Whereas in the old days, you just cut out a bit of paper from the newspaper and sent in your cheque. Of course, nowadays, they don't have newspapers, they don't have checks. So that system doesn't really work, does it? No. God, anyone would think I'm a dinosaur. Oh, no, I've been accused of being a dinosaur. Hey, no, no. <laughs> right. Anything else from you, Phil? Uh, well, it was an IPO today. Made Tech Group. I don't know if you saw that. First day of dealings. Uh, UK-based software company. Works with uh, government agencies, including the Home Office, DVLA, HMRC, and it raised, I'm just having a quick looky here, I think something around £80 million pounds of, uh, of funding. Yeah, here we go. So oversubscribed fundraising, £15 million for the group, £17 million for certain sh- selling shareholders. So uh, one of the things about the public markets is that actually, you know, if you own your own company, you can raise capital for the company to develop itself, but you can also exit some full of hard work that you've undertaken but that was a new ipo today very good are you sure you can exit i didn't exit when we ipo'd bsa capital but i don't think anybody have bought my stock so there you go and i'm locked in i think <laughs> well that answers that one yeah okay anything else phil oh just a final one from me um and this is, oh, this, is, this is one of these companies i met years ago and should have invested pa always wiser in hindsight are we as, as investors andrew judges scientific the ticker is jdg it's a 485 million market cap um and they are what's known as a kind of portfolio company in the market so they have a portfolio of scientific instrumentation um companies and therein markets are industry but also university r&d um, and they you know they have tech that's using the food beverage industry uh, pharmaceuticals they've got technology i was interested in for semiconductor electron not for old oh, but scanning electron microscopes sorry something i used to work on years ago but this sem scan electron microscope, they're, they're important for looking at nanomaterials and silicon chips anyway having trims bearing in mind that you know Universities being closed, industries being kind of shut down, and you know conferences not being undertaken. Anyway, things are recovering for them, and um, their interims the first half of June were showing nice fifteen percent revenue growth, which is good. It's turning around, but importantly, it was interesting the pre-tax profits were up thirty-one percent. So this is a business that has what's called operational gearing, whereby you know a small bit of revenue growth generates a higher operating profit growth and their cash was up 56 percent so a nice recovery story there i've not looked at the specific multiples i just read a few press articles it does appear to be on high multiples but when things are um, in recovery mode uh particularly probably cyclical spend exposed then maybe the, you know the valuation um is still attractive one well, for you know for, what this one this one really tells you is you know patient capital can be very valuable and you know I'm just I just flipped up the chart here. I'll put it in max on the chart and I've got 17th of January 2003. So I guess that's roughly when it floated uh, 125p stays pretty much 125p, although slowly moves up uh, a little bit around the sort of 2012, 2013. Um, so just 125 is where we started, as I was saying, um, and it's now 
76 pounds. I mean, that is an incredible performance. Um, as usual, Phil, you told me something that I've missed. Thanks. Yeah, well, 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 this is why I've always kicked myself on because I met them in 2010. And at the time, I was coming in a company called Spectrus, which is 4250. Again, it's a portfolio company with uh, with instrumentation, electronics instrumentation for all sorts of industries. And this was a mini one, and I should have bloody well invested. But, uh, you know, well done to Judges Scientific. But I think the point is it does show that sometimes it takes companies a little bit longer to really get going than some investors have got the time for, which is understandable, by the way. Um, but, um, you know, if you can be patient and hold on to these things, you can do phenomenally well. And so perhaps some of the things we're talking about in the new transitional energy space, you know, patience is a virtue. Hang on in there and you may see 10 baggers, 20 baggers, 30 baggers, or in this case, sort of 70 baggers coming along. Anyway, look, on that note, Phil, we, we're busy. People probably heard enough of our ramblings today. Um, so uh, thank you very much. As usual, if you've got questions or ideas, please let us know. We're happy to talk about them. Thanks, Phil. Okay, look forward to chatting next week, Andrew.